Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Comedy History 101. What do we do? Yes, we school you in comedy. I am Harmon. I am back in New York from San Francisco, and it's freezing. It's freezing here. It's really cold. So I just got back from SF Sketch Fest, and Scott is on his way to the Sundance Film Festival. Do you know what that means? Yes, we have another Comedy History 101 Select from the Archive. It's a two-part episode on comedy that crosses the line. Yes, comedy that goes way too far and almost turns into tragedy. You know, the edgy comedy. When comedians do the edgy comedy and people get angry with the edgy comedy. And without further ado... You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Good thing about doing comedy in Russia, you have captured the audience. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Comedy History 101. <laughs> You've got a funny intro. We don't really have to, like... Right? I've heard it. Oh, I know, I know. But usually how when I do it in post, I usually have us, like... Right in the middle of a conversation. Oh, okay. That's where I start. I usually start it right in the middle of a conversation. Okay. It's kind of like, what is that called? Like, kind of like a... In media uh, res. Uh, del art. In yeah, media res. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like, all right, we're already... It's like, we're already when into people it. tune in, we're already into it. It's like, and, and it leaves them thinking, what, what, what were they talking about before? Okay, so we, should we go back to our conversation? What, what did I miss out? But they're, 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 they're already up to speed. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, uh, welcome, welcome back, people. We've been off for a little bit. Uh, welcome back to our podcast, Comedy History 101, where we talk about uh, the history of comedy. Ba ba ba! I am Harmon Leon, and with me is. Hello, I am Scott Colonico. I am not a robot from Edinburgh. <laughs> but if you were a robot from Edinburgh, I'd would be you talk in a robot that, voice? Yeah, that was kind of Or a you'd ha- be like West Westworld robot. Oh, like the it's new kind of one. like a hack robot? The new one, yeah. No, yeah. I haven't seen any of that one. Oh, What's my. that? Are they crossing the line? Oh, oh, yeah. Whoa, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which brings us to uh, uh, our topic today is comedy that crosses the line. So as of late, uh, there have been a few notable comedians that in in that have gotten skewered over crossing the line. They they have taken comedy too far, too far. or they they or they they weren't doing comedy to begin with. <laughs> That's why they couldn't defend their actions. No, you know? no. So it, which is a fine line. Um, so I, let me start. Can I start sure. with a George Carlin quote? Go ahead. Uh, George Carlin said, I think it's the duty of the comedian to find out where the line is drawn and cross it deliberately. Says yes. George Carlin. I'm, I'm behind that. I can, I can endorse that statement 100%. Yeah. I mean, I think there, there are times, well, I think, I mean, we'll, we'll get into this further, but there are times where, yeah, it's good to cross the line if you're trying to make, say, social change, but then the bad cross the line, again, when you're not following the general rule of comedy, which is uh, punch up, not punch down. And when you're crossing the line and you're punching down, then, uh, you know, again, that's 
the, the difference between uh, comedy and tragedy. So it's right. like uh, comedy is punching up, tragedy is punching down. So uh, we will dive into this more. But um, so when I say the words Kathy Griffin, what, what, what comes to mind of recent? <laughs> Un- unfunny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah. <laughs> it caused an uproar as like if you okay, so if you haven't been on the planet, the planet okay. Earth, yes. for like the last month or two months ago, where whenever that came out, right. uh, she got a little uproar when uh, I think it was like was it just specifically a, a photo shoot aimed towards Instagram? I I don't I don't remember exactly what the photo shoot was for, but she was she taking she was taking a bunch of pictures with the that. Yeah, so she posted a picture of her holding up a uh, bloody severed Trump head, and and she has, like, this kind of deadpan look on her face, Uh, and uh, um, I think her attempt was she was going to be, she was being edgy. Yeah, that was the thing, the edgy comedy. Yeah, yeah, the edgy comedy. (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to look at that just to remind me about that, okay. Keep, keep talking. Yeah, so uh, needless to say, uh, that caused quite an uproar when uh, you have a president's bloody severed head <laughs> and you're holding it. Um, uh, it caused such an uproar that uh, I think within a day, she held this, like, crying press conference. There's a bunch of old white guys trying to silence me, and I'm just here to say that's wrong. And just going, uh, you know... Donald Trump is trying to destroy me. You know, she's like Kathy Griffin, like yeah. co-host the uh, New Year's Eve thing with Anderson Cooper. The D-list. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So her, her, uh, 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 like in the press conference, she said, uh, I, I am a comic. I cross the line. I move the line. Then I cross it. I went way too far. Yeah, <laughs> but the whole point is like, well, first of all, I think what was really it wasn't offensive to me that it's a, a, a severed Trump head. I think it was it was offensive to me as a comedian that uh, it, it's just like if you knew what you're doing and, you, and again, it's uh, you know what kind of reaction you're going to get. At least be able to defend your action. Just don't like cry on a press conference and just say, I, I am so sorry. Trump's trying to destroy me. You broke me. Yeah, I mean it, it's yeah, because like you know I've I've been following her for a while, man. I think she's um, okay. I've, I have laughed at some of her stuff, you know, but I think she's mm-hmm. also kind of the comedian where like she really she enjoys the being famous part of it, you know. And so I right. feel like this was like something where she she was gonna do something just to you know cause an outrage, and it did. And so now it's like okay, oh wow, you know. Because she'll, she, that's her theme. Her thing is saying outrageous stuff and doing outrageous things, and it's kind of interesting to see when it finally everybody goes, mm-hmm. "Yep, no, you cross the line, dude. That was too, that was too outrageous." And then for somebody to yeah, go, well, "Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah," to kind of give in and just go, "Yeah, you're right, it was." Yeah, I mean, just I mean, first of all, just like what were you thinking? I mean, it's just like again, it's. Uh, and we'll talk about this later. It wasn't like Kramer from Seinfeld suddenly just snapping at hecklers and and and, and uh, you know using racist words. She, she she booked a studio to do a photo shoot. Mm-hmm. They had to create the props. Yeah. 
she she hired a photographer. Yeah, it's, and it's like you know, it's just like at what point uh, do you think? Uh, oh yeah, this is gonna make me all edgy. Yeah, I know. This is and like, you just and then and the next thing you're just like crying in a in a press conference. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. So, so somebody at one point somebody was painting blood onto a a fake dismembered yeah. Trump head, <laughs> like you know they yeah, had, the props department. Yeah, they had to go. Hmm. <laughs> Nobody just uh, you know pulled the brake, the train brake. Yeah. So and then she comes in like, uh, um, the Trump is trying to destroy me, and she, I think one of her quotes was, "He broke me." Yeah. <laughs> okay. Dude. I, I, again, it's just like if you had a point to make, stick to that point and just go. Um, you know, it might have gone too far, but here is what I was trying to say. You know about you know such and such. Mm-hmm. Totally. At least defend your actions. You know, right. and not just like it's just completely given to. You know, the whole point is like, you know, again, it's just like kind of just screaming like fire in, in, in a movie theater. You know, you're you're going to get that reaction. Right. Which is I mean, what you're, you're holding up a president's head. Yeah, that's you can't with, do with that. blood on it or yell fire in a theater. There was some Supreme Court case about that. Again, do you think is it is it and a and a big thing about like uh, comedy that crosses the line is like when it when it, it succeeds or fails? Uh, is there a free speech issue here? Yeah, I mean that's now we're getting into this this. I mean I don't know which I don't know how we're gonna how you're gonna move this along, but yeah, there's lots of stuff that that <laughs> that's great to talk about here. I mean it's like uh, one of the links that you sent was was the thing about the Jerry Seinfeld talking about people doing comedy in college campuses now, you know, yeah. where, where you have the whole trigger warning issue. You know? Of like what you can or can't say, yeah, like yeah. when you perform at colleges, right? Yeah. yeah, like you'll have to say, oh, I'm going to use this this word and this word. You know, it's just. Um, yeah, it's just like people are. It does seem like people are kind of starting to get a little. Um, yeah, free speech doesn't seem to be quite proliferating the way it used to. Okay, then uh, could you take that argument and say, is that backing up what Donald Trump says that it's this political correctness gone awry? You know, it's just everyone's so. I don't have time to be politically correct. Which I guess that's free speech as well. But then again, he's a president and not a comedian. Yeah, so that's you dealing with something else. And then, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, like he gets to t- tweet about transgender people getting kicked out of the military, and then the military saying, "No, hold on, wait a minute." You know, that's I think we're that's a kind of a different area. Yeah, exactly. And then so then the other uh, big uh, uh, comedy that crosses the line was, of course, uh, and this was all in the same week. Uh, when Bill Maher, uh, you know, use I, I don't even like using the N word because yeah. that's just like in, in itself. <laughs> there should be like another word that implies that because that just puts the word in your head or people's heads, you know. So he used like racist, uh, you know, language on his show. He was trying to make a point though. That was, uh, you know, slightly different about like you know Jeff Sessions and whatnot. But uh, you know, point well taken. It's like. You know, again, like ice. Uh, I always get my ices mixed up. Ice Cube, right? Yeah, not tea. Right. Was on the, the the show the next week, where it's just like you know that's not your word to use. That's you know, it's yeah. just like every time you know an African American hears it, uh, it, it, it hits like a knife. Because I think it's a lot of guys out there 
who cross the line because they a little too familiar or they think they too familiar or is guys that you know they might have a black girlfriend or two that made them some kool-aid every now and then and they think they can cross the line and they can't you know it's a word that has been used against us it's like a knife man and you can use it as a weapon or you can use it as a tool it's been used as a weapon against us by white people. And we're not gonna let that happen again by nobody because it's not cool. Mm -hmm. So what, I mean, I don't know. I just, I just, I mean, I understand what they're saying. Obviously, you know, Ice Cube knows what he's talking about more than me. Mm -hmm. um, I just, yeah, yeah but the, it's the whole, the whole thing of here's this one word you can't say, you know? I mean, that word, like, we're not even saying it. You and I are not even saying this word. And, no, you know, I don't now, want me ever to be recorded yes. or, like, on stage or anything. It's gonna be, it's just weird because now you can see people walking around the street wearing, you know, you, mm. they could be wearing a shirt that says fuck on it, right? That's not a yeah. big deal anymore. Whereas right. the other word, you can't you can't even print it, you know? Well, because fuck isn't aimed at a uh, group of people to, like, kind of suppress them. Okay. All right. Uh, you know, going with, like, Ice Cube said is, like, you know, even in the New York clubs, you hear, like, there'll be, like, a white comedian on stage who says, you know, he gives off the attitude, like, I am so, you know, comfortable around other cultures that they'll, you know, use that word on stage. Right. And it's, like, again, it's just, like, nah, it's not your, <laughs> it's not your place. Even you, you're not that comfortable. But it, it, that's the weird thing is now we're discussing this academically, you know, in a yeah. uh, constructive way, and we're still not saying it. Right. <laughs> you know, which is like that's mm. taking it out of like I could see not using it in a social context or directing it at someone, but now we're just mm. talking about the use of the word, and we can't say the word. We're not neither one of us are saying the word because it's right. being recorded. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, even if it's not recorded, I wouldn't say the word. Uh -huh. Even if you were just talking about it. Well, no, no, it's not because it was recorded. Again, I think it's like, it goes back to why comedy crosses comedy that crosses the line that's not constructive because that's just, uh, you know, again, it's something that's uh, punching down. It's using to suppress uh, people rather than uh, you are punching up at, like, say, the government. You know, mm -hmm. that's, uh, you know, a controlling factor. Uh, you know, it's it's, a, a, you know, comedy in the context of like uh, at the expense of like, uh, you know, suppressing, you know, a group of people. Right. But to let, go back to my, my example, though, but as we're mm -hmm. discussing what we're discussing right now, if we were to yeah. say that word, we wouldn't be using it in that context. Right, 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 right. But neither one of us is saying it. I'm not saying it. Okay, that's fine. I'm just I'm making a point. I'm just I'm not saying it either. I'm saying I'm making a point. That's my point. But um I mean if you go back to um um comedy that crosses the line, I mean there's a you know, long history of uh, uh of satire in comedy uh that's intended to cross the line. And and when it crosses the line it's like, you know, again it's like taking on the powers that be, you know, it's it's uh it goes back to like Aristophanes, uh, 
you know, have you read his plays? I think I was, it's like the frogs and the yeah, clouds. Yeah, there was, what was the interesting thing that, because uh, he was like kind of old-timey Greek dude known for his comedy plays. Mm-hmm. What's what's interesting about, I was reading about those. Ah, well, first of all, well done in bringing the readers up to speed, or the oh, listeners up to speed thank on you. who Aristophanes is. I, that, I forgot, I forgot about it, but well, well done. Old, thank you. Good You're podcasting. <laughs> old-timey Greek dude, let's leave it at that. <laughs> We're not going to go too, yeah. too into depth into him. Um, but what was interesting that I, that that I saw in the Wikipedia article, uh, but what was interesting was they talked right. about how like an ancient so it has to be true yeah an ancient Greek play it was also it was all footnoted in ancient Greek plays <laughs> the chorus in a uh, comedy was always bigger than than it was in a tragedy you know you'd have the chorus of of people on stage who would kind of be narrating yeah, yeah. and then in Aristophanes plays. He made kind of a point of um, using people in the chorus, known like like prominent businessmen and leaders of the town oh, yeah. in the chorus to make kind of another dab, uh-huh. you know, little cross in the line, pre-cross in the line there. Um, and there apparently there's a lot of yeah. um, turd jokes in this place. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> crossing the line with yeah. turd the olden days. But um, so one of the edgiest stories, and I I, I studied this uh, uh, in 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 a college satire class, is Jonathan Swift's A Modest Proposal, which I think is like probably one of the most uh, like if you have like lineage to the edgy comedy of today, I think it's like uh, you know just a direct link to like Saturday Night Live. Oh yeah, yeah. A modest proposal, mm-hmm. uh, which is um, it was during the famine, the Irish famine, and it was uh, kind of a, a making the argument that uh, people should sell their children to rich people uh, for food, right? As food, you should eat babies. Is basically yeah, what they're that saying. That was the proposal <laughs> of the title. Yeah, mostly specifically Irish babies. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the point being is, uh, like, the point he was trying to make is that uh, rich people actually just don't care about the poor to the point where, uh, you know, that they would actually eat children. Yeah, that's, well. It's just like dark, dark humor. Yeah, not too much different nowadays. (laughs) Yeah, and and also the lineage is a direct lineage to uh, uh, the modern day. Well, I wouldn't even say it's modern day because I think it had its run of dead baby jokes which again is like comedy that crosses the line yeah and that was the interesting thing was that apparently because those started making um not a comeback but they first started making their first appearances like in a major way like in the 60s and people have theorized Mm -hmm. that was kind of a a a reaction to like the growing feminism of the time and just like the overall kind of Mm -hmm. freedom that people were were feeling in the 60s so to uh what better way to bottle that all up than to make some dead baby jokes (laughs) (laughs) do you know do you remember i don't understand i mean i sort of understand the connection yeah but I don't understand the connection. Well, I mean, it was all because like, like what's a, what's a good dead baby joke? Like, all right, uh, let's. Oh, okay, you ready? Do you know? Do you remember any? I got one. Yes. What's? Okay. I don't, but I have all Google. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, what's red and goes a hundred miles an hour? A dead baby in a blender. Yeah, exactly. That would be it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, a story I came across recently was um, this Mark Twain story. It's called The United States of Lynchardom. And at the time that Mark Twain wrote it, uh, I think it was like early 1900s, um, he, he knew his audience and he knew that it was just way too edgy. And, and it, it only got published like after he uh, passed away. Oh, the lynchdom, yes. Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, the essential takeaway of, you know, again, it's very satirical, but he knew that how his audience would react if he published the story, which was essentially a satire of uh, mob mentality. Um, I just, I read this like about a month ago, mm-hmm. uh, the short story. So it's kind of like a, that, in, in essence, all people have mob mentality ingrained in them and that uh you know anyone is of that time was capable of uh you know being a part of an angry mob yeah i mean he wanted to you know he was more he was pretty um aware of his public reputation so that was something he wanted to not have published until after he was no longer around i don't, I don't even know if he said like publish this when i'm not Knowing around, he just knew that it was something of the time that mm-hmm. it, 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 it crossed the line of with his audience. Okay, I mean, obviously he wrote it and had right. the points that he he wanted to make, but he knew enough that he there would be like a public outcry against it. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if it was like okay they wouldn't see it at the satirical value or it's just like you just don't joke about that or or what, but uh, he didn't allow it the story to be published. Okay. All right. Yeah. He lived a while, man. I didn't realize he lived until like the 1900s. Yeah. Did you see that Ken Burns uh, two part documentary on him? No. Is it good? Um, yeah, I've only seen part one. Okay. But, uh, yeah. Right. So, you know, All right. Samuel Clemens. I know he had a big time. He had a big bushy mustache. He was kind of like a proto hipster. Yeah. He got to start like uh writing in San Francisco. That yeah. was like one of his first early uh, gigs. Mark Twain. Yep. Uh, and it's so funny is Mark Twain is a steamboat term. Like yeah. Mark the Twain. Right. I forgot what Twain means. It's but like a depth. Might be like, rip, yeah, depths yeah. of river height or yeah. something like that. So he's having some fun with his pen name. Yeah, he was. He was. He was. <laughs> he was. <laughs> so, you know, I, again, so, um, so like you said, but again, I think this ties into like kind of like early modern days of crossing line because, you know, uh, the United States of Lynchardom, he was trying to write that to wrong, not, not, not wrong. He was trying to like, you know, use it as like a tool of social change to, to, to point out this, this kind of mob mentality of people involved in lynch mobs, which, uh, brings up, uh, like our next point of, you know, comedy can be a powerful tool for social change when it crosses the line. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I guess the early modern comedian, uh, not modern comedian, but in, I guess in modern day stand-up comedy is one man by the name Lenny Bruce. Lenny. He's from New York. What do you know about Lenny Bruce, my friend? I know he, he, he got in trouble for being, uh, saying the bad words. And then he would go into court and he would read his uh, transcripts in court. Yeah, isn't that <laughs> just fucking crazy that like stand-up comedy would get you arrested? Yeah. Like the police – and again, like 
horrible atmosphere for a comedy club. Yeah. Like when he was playing like in San Francisco and stuff, like the police would come in and stand on the side of the stage just mm-hmm. waiting for him yeah. to say like cocksucker or something yeah. on stage. <laughs> and then once he did, he would be arrested and then the show's over. Yeah, I mean, it's like now, now you can walk around with a t-shirt that says fuck on it. Yeah, yeah. And then I think we talked about this in the first episode of Comedy History 101 of the history of the uh, Improv Comedy Club, where there was another comedian on there. I forgot his name. He was the first uh, comedian to play the improv. And he also would get arrested frequently, like in the late uh, 50s. And what, and, and the fucked up thing that they would do is, and this also applies to modern day, is they would, they would go to court and then the judge would read their act. Right, yeah. <laughs> they would yeah. read, like, Lenny Bruce's act without the benefit of uh, timing. Mm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or stage presence. Yeah. So it's not quite, not quite the same thing. I do my act at perhaps uh, 11 o'clock at night. Little do I know that 11 a.m. the next morning, before the grand jury somewhere, is another guy doing my act who's introduced as Lenny Bruce in substance. <laughs> Here he is, Lenny Bruce in substance. A peace officer who is trained for to recognize clear and present dangers, not make believe, does the act. The grand jury watches him work and they go, that stinks. <laughs> but I get busted. And the irony is that I have to go to court and defend his act. Okay, so so in tying that into like modern time is like uh, you hear like outrage over there was a controversy over uh, like Tracy Morgan and Daniel Tosh. Um, so uh, Daniel Tosh, you know, again it, on paper it doesn't sound funny. Uh, you know, he, he he had that big uh, controversy over making uh, like rape jokes at the Laugh Factory, and then uh, Tracy Morgan also had the controversy of doing like kind of this you know, anti-gay bit at a comedy club. I forgot what city it was. But the point being is that uh, people in the audience would just, they would, like, tweet, like, what they say or or put on their blog, like, transcripts Mm -hmm. of, like, Tracy Morgan's act. So, again, it's, like, almost like a modern-day, the judge, uh, you know, reading out the comedy routine where, uh, you know, without the benefit of context or uh, timing or stage presence uh you know you're you're getting it you know on someone's blog paraphrase yeah but the um the um yeah but the daniel tosh thing was yeah wouldn't it pointing out somebody in the audience and just going wouldn't that be funny if that girl got raped by like five guys now like right now that's that was, yeah. It sounds that that that's horrible. Yeah, that's not. <laughs> but again, you don't know what. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not defending that. I'm just saying you don't know the whole context of of what happened. I mean, yeah, that sounds horrible. And again, it goes back to. Uh, and I don't want to use the word term punching down and rape in, in the same sentence. But it's like you know, you, you're you're making you you're not. You're the superior one in that scenario because you're the person on stage, and then you're saying to an audience member, you know, you should be raped. Yeah, I, mean, this just, I don't know if there's any context you can put that in to make it, you know, I mean, it's just not, yeah, I would say they cross the line in not a good way, you know? Yeah, 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 but that's the thing about stand-up comedy is it's a dialogue that takes place with the person on stage 
in the audience in that moment, you know? So unless you're in that moment, you, yeah, I mean, I'm going 99% on, on, you know, that as a horrible thing that shouldn't have been done. But again, you, you just don't know if it's just like, you're just reading it on someone's blog rather than you're in the room. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess we can tie this in with the Michael Richards thing too. Cause I mean, cause I just, I think there's, I'm of the, the, point of view that's almost like i think when you're on the stage at a comedy club it should be kind of like a free speech zone you know yeah i mean because again if you start scaling back right. on what can, i mean there are countries like uh like in turkey they have stand-up comedy but you there are like things you would be arrested for right. if you talk about religion politics i mean there's several countries like that where they have comedy and you're just not there's stuff you are told you cannot talk about. And again, oh, like I was in Cuba, I was in Havana in January, and I did a story on the Havana stand-up comedy scene. And it's just like, yeah, 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 you can't do anything about Fidel Castro or Raúl Castro. Mm -hmm. But they actually do it in a clever way. They do make fun of the politics and the political leaders. They do it in a way that where everyone knows what they're talking about without specifically saying that and again that is more clever than just you know the edge look i'm holding up trump's head it's bloody yeah. you know yeah. say say what you're trying to say in a, in, a, in, a, in you know in a clever sort of way rather than you know uh, so there's a while like in, in comedy where the you know the you know the edgy comedians where the edgy edgy comedy would this be like the, the, with the edgy would this, comedy would, would this be like the dubai comedy yeah, so explosion yeah, yeah. No, there's like you know, like guys like like uh, you know Jim Jeffries and, and 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 guys in that genre where it was like really edgy for them to make like rape jokes. It was like uh, they're oh they're they're so edgy. Not everything, nothing is taboo for them. I hate women. <laughs> women hate me. We hate each other. The only reason I couldn't be gay is. Because I could never fuck a man. Because I could never fuck something that I respect. They, 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 you know, they cross the line at every corner. But is it more clever to say exactly what they're trying to say without blatantly saying it? Because in, in terms, you're just like uh, pushing buttons at that point. Because mm -hmm. you know, and people have such a strong feeling about, you know, uh, you know, something like rape of course <laughs> that you bring it up is going to get a strong reaction and it's just laziness it's laziness on the part of the comedian yeah well i mean that was it's like, laziness to hold up a severed bloody trump head yeah i think it was like um so this tosh thing was pretty recent right i think it was 2012 wow that's weird okay because i was in the well, i was in the states i was in washington and that was 2012 mm -hmm. might have been really early 2013 yeah. and i went to uh so I, I went up seeing like four comedians in one night and um mm -hmm. so i went to like one comedy club and then went to uh another saw aziz and azari that night at the the big mm -hmm. club in in washington and like there were like out of the four it might have been five comedians out of like the five comedians four all made like a rape joke it was like this weird running thing that you could just see yeah. happening you know where it was like everybody was doing it you know it was just really odd to see 
Yeah, that's again. It goes there's there's that I, like Arjun and I we would make fun of the edgy comics where right. it's just you know it's just kind of like I, again it's like okay you're gonna get a reaction it, right it's like you haven't put any thought into you know the joke or the structure of the joke or saying the unsaid you'd be just like bam here here it is bam you're gonna react you know. Yeah, I mean, I could see, like, you know, Tosh being in that club and saying that and it getting a reaction out of the audience, you know? I could, I could see that happening. Yeah. I mean, was it cool? Mm-hmm. No, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, and again, it's just like, uh, you know, I did guess it, you brought did, up, like, Michael Richards. Right. Did it cross the line? Did tr- Tosh no. cross the line? I would say yes there. And not in a good Yeah, way. yeah, I guess yeah. it should be like a game show. Yeah. And the judges <laughs> like, say cross the line. Line crossed or not. Okay, well, we can, like, uh, we can work on that. And with that, my friends, ends part one of our recast of comedy that crosses the line. You know, the edgy, edgy comedy with the edgy, edgy comedians. We'll be back next week with part two of Comedy That Crosses the Line here on Comedy History 101. Where we school you in comedy. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe and comment on iTunes. We absolutely love that. And with that, bye-bye. You're stupid. Everybody's on stupid. The good thing about doing comedy in Russia, you have captured the audience. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Comedy History 101.